The Lord be with you. Year to year, whenever television executives run out of new and fresh ideas, we can usually count. Uh, I picture a meeting where the suits are sitting at one of those long tables in a boardroom in Hollywood. And those suits will gift us with another nostalgia television program. It's a reminiscence about a, a life from the days of the past, maybe a simpler time or a more exciting time. And it's a way for viewers to live out moments of days gone by through the lens of the screens in their living room. Some of those stories about the good old days come off really corny and saccharine and a little bit goofy, but others are more reflective, an honest look at a generation. Stories told as a way to consider the lessons that we've learned or still have yet to learn as a society. The lessons we learn from decade to decade. Maybe you still have a fondness for Little House on the Prairie? Little House fans? No? The Waltons? Come on, the Waltons? That song alone was a classic. But Happy Days? Everybody watched Happy Days, right? The Wonder Years, Mad Men, that 70s show. Even right now, the biggest hit on Netflix right now is Stranger Things, living into its 80s vibe really hard. If you want my vote, Mad Men still, unparalleled masterpiece. Maybe I missed your favorite, you can tell me on your way out. My list probably isn't nearly long enough. I'd say we are probably due for a show from uh, that talks about the 1990s any day now. The thing is, church people have their own nostalgia show. Well, it's not a show, but it is a handful of verses from the book of Acts, and it was our second reading today. Over the years, and even still now in the right circles, I've heard pastors and church planters and church growth specialists talk about that first gathered people in the book of Acts with a, with a glimmer in their eye. And sometimes a bit of a scolding tone, even. Like the last part of the book of Acts, or the second chapter of Acts is a blueprint an instructional document from which all other churches in history shall be built. It's a yardstick by which the health and viability of a local church gathering of the faithful is to be measured. It doesn't take you very long to do a little bit of Googling, and you can find an almost endless list of articles with titles like Being an Acts 2 Church in the 21st Century, or the marks of a healthy Acts 2 church, or church growth in Acts 2. And while you're Googling, you'll probably find some tracks by that groovy gospel band from the 70s named Second Chapter of Acts. Evelyn, were you a fan? Big fan. And really, I get it. What's not to love about the description of that early community? Like Dawn has already shown us with this adorable little children's table during the children's lesson, the picture of that gathering of people is compelling. It's attractive. It shows us the opening gust of the Spirit blowing free 
on the new people of God. It's like the fresh scent of, of new rain. It's like a, an ecstatic bride adorned and dancing on her wedding day. Or it's a, a toddler taking her very first steps. This new church was remarkable, beautiful, special. What a time to be such a people. Now, it doesn't seem like a very controversial idea to want to be a part of a community like that. What a gift to the world. Let's all be like that. Okay, let's just be like that. A place of generosity with full bellies and overflowing hearts and sharing and friendship and teaching and leadership. It's appealing. It's a great invitation that the church might be this sort of loving and connected people. It's delicious. This is the kind of church that Luke tells us about at the end of chapter 2 and what is there to argue with with such a picture painted for us. Just listen to this gem of a line in the middle. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. The goodwill of all the people. When was the last time any church had the goodwill of all the people? That first gathering was pristine and fresh and special. When I was younger, I was really into old reruns of the original Star Trek with Shatner and Nimoy and company. And I noticed that whenever the camera would zoom in for a lingering close-up of a beautiful woman, sometimes she had green skin, a pretty alien lady maybe, the cinematographers would either put some gauze or rub some Vaseline on the lens. And it would give that gorgeous close-up a a dreamy, sort of otherworldly softness. Maybe not a clear view, but an attractive one. When we church folk step back, From that dreamy close-up, and we stand back and take a wide shot, it's probably wise for us to temper and manage our nostalgia for that Acts chapter 2 church, that dreamy softness behind the gauzy lens. Because that same church was informed by some really hard realities, too. Challenges and troubles were headed her way. And that community of folks had yet more days ahead of them because the acts of the Holy Spirit didn't end at chapter 2. That homogenous group of people who mostly looked alike and talked alike and ate alike, people with the same background and ethnicity, well, they had some surprises in store for them, didn't they? They were about to be introduced to some other outcomes and some new realities of what it meant to be this new people of God. The Spirit was making a whole new thing and dismantling some of their old habits and their old biases. 
For example, there was a whole new view of food restrictions that was going to land on them in Acts 10. There would be some surprising new characters who definitely did not fit the typical description of their community, like that Ethiopian dignitary baptized on the roadside in Acts 8. And they even had long and difficult church policy meetings, this time about the inclusion of non-Jewish folks in Acts chapter 15. It was a lot. It still is a lot. Every local gathering of the church since then has lived in the space, in that wide shot, beyond that idyllic, gauzy scene at the end of Acts chapter 2. Deep and real are the complexities and the realities of so many congregations since that time. Churches and cities and towns and villages in different parts of the world, so many customs and economies and languages. Sometimes those churches were deeply enmeshed in and shaped by their local culture. And often they were radically countercultural and different from everyone around them. They were the body of Christ, fleshed out, lived out, acted out, conveyed to the world in human containers. Human receptacles of the Spirit's purposes. And let's make no mistake often in difficult and complicated times. This Acts 2 church was going to do what every church has to do if it is to embrace the broad and surprising grace of the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus expressed in new humanity, a body of Christ in new and exciting shapes. And let's be totally clear about that. It ain't easy. Every one of these new expressions of diversity is a challenge. It's difficult. It's an adjustment. The Spirit is chipping away at old barriers, stretching long-held assumptions about insiders and outsiders. And that Acts 2 church, well, they had their fair share of all the things that make church life together a real adventure. Because the local church is not a social event or a supper club. It isn't a political party or a commune. A local church is a little outcropping of a new humanity in a precarious and beautiful and dangerous and complex world. Often even a hostile world. The book of Acts assures us that the Spirit pulls the church together. And that same Spirit challenges and stretches and pushes and sends us that we might be a true expression of hope and love and peace in the world. Another thing is uh, a local church never gets to live in the past. We don't get to act out a nostalgia from days gone by, we make our way in the time and the place where we find ourselves today. 
And that comes with joys. It comes with gifts. It comes with challenges. It comes with griefs. Not with an idealized, gauzy view of a perfectly realized community. Come on. We're talking about something real. It's sometimes gritty and difficult. It can be an awkward journey together. It often smells of sweat. It tastes like tears. The struggle is real, but it is beautiful. Dare I say more beautiful even? What could be more striking than a community that's hanging in there together when it's not always a church picnic or a party? What is more beautiful than a church that is reflected long and hard on mistakes that they've made, lessons that they have yet to learn? Give me that church any day. Not just an Acts 2 church. Let's run with all the chapters and whatever chapters come next. Take me to that community. I want to hear their story. I want to know what they have seen. What have they heard? What deep wisdoms have they encountered? I want to know what surprises this life together has shown them. As people who together have learned what it is to stretch and grow in rich and deep ways. Let those voices speak. Let those lives bear witness. People who found new understanding and insight as that sometimes frustrating, messy people of God. People who get to name the place, the miracle space, the people who surprise them. The surprise that Jesus was growing his heart in them. I'm here for that. I want to be a part of a people like that. I'm a part of a people like that. I mean, sure, those times of sharing and potlucks and support and care, they're all really something. When we get it right, we had better be ready to celebrate and give thanks. But I think we only truly get to those moments of love and joy and peace with much patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control and faithfulness to one another. Community calls for an abundance of these things. And this is how the Spirit makes the church a breeze blowing through our days, gathering us together, people like us. Holy wind pushing and forming and making us, stretching and growing us. And really, what's not to love about a church like that? Friends, what a time to be such a people.